It's time for my weekly visit now with Bill Tillman. Bill is a veteran BC political strategist and campaigner. Bill's a former Vancouver City Council candidate. I'm always grateful for his time. Bill, thank you for coming on today. Morning, Mike. Okay, let's talk about uh, an interesting story in BC politics this week. And Dana Larson, the very high-profile drug reform activist in BC, sends a Christmas card to all the BC MLAs. And the card included some magic mushrooms and coca leaf. So let's listen to Eleanor Sturko here. Very interested in your thoughts on this, Bill. This is the BC United MLA for Surrey. She's a former Surrey police officer. She did not appreciate receiving these drugs from this activist in the Christmas card. Here's what she had to say. Even just trafficking drugs. This is also, I find this to be a, uh, an issue of harassment as well. I don't appreciate getting these. I think that it's outrageous that someone would uh, be bold enough to send this kind of crap in the mail. Okay, I had I had Dana Larson on the show here yesterday. I'll play a clip of here of him in a second here too. Bill, what do you think of this? Well, Dana Larson is a master of stunts at getting into the media and getting under people's skins, and he succeeded in both with this, particularly with with Eleanor Sturko. I can understand why she'd be upset. I mean, she's been quite open about having her own challenges with with dealing with uh, alcohol and uh, the challenges of her job. And so to send, you know, I mean, you don't you don't offer an alcoholic a drink. You don't, you know put some fentanyl in front of somebody who's trying to quit drugs uh, on the one hand. On the other hand, it, you know, I think the intent was pretty clear. And I think Eleanor might have been better served to just say, you're being a jerk and forget about it. And as Mike Farnworth, uh, the Solicitor General, said, um, you know, uh, Dana Larson, I mean, he may he may take a hit for this. He, if you want to break the law as a kind of form of civil disobedience, you've got to be prepared to take the consequences. And we saw Mark Emery go to jail for quite a long time for sending drugs in the mail. So Dana should be careful. Yeah, although I, I suspect he was maybe quite pleased that he provoked a reaction like this. Eleanor Sturko was not the... Yeah, she was <laughs> not the only MLA who complained about this. Several others, notably from the BC United Party, went online and posted social media uh, posts that they were outraged that they had received these magic mushrooms from this guy. Let's listen to him here. So this is Dana Larson. He's a very high-profile drug reform activist. He sent these drugs to BC politicians in a Christmas card. I asked him about it yesterday. Uh, we, I played that clip for him where Eleanor Sturko said this is drug trafficking, it's harassment. Here's what he told me. I don't think it's harassment to try to engage with politicians over laws that need to be changed. That's kind of their job. You know, I saw her with her rubber gloves on and afraid to, to touch the package and everything like that. And to me, it just really shows the hysteria and ignorance that's kind of at the root of our modern war on drugs. Bill, your thoughts? Well, you know, he again, if, if you want to play the game and you know you're breaking the law, even if, it, if yeah. it's in, uh, you know, in, a, in the effort to try and change drug laws, you have to be prepared for the hit. And so, you know... These the things he's mailing are not they're controlled substances. They're they are not legal. You can't buy them in a store legally, and um, so he I mean he's not just you know cr approaching the line. He's crossing the line pretty clearly. Uh, but you're right. I think he was probably quite thrilled with it, and I suspect he thinks the authorities probably won't do anything because he's been so public about it. But you know we saw those guys doing their their um, sell, uh, giving away free cocaine and heroin, and they got busted. And they're facing charges now. So I, I wouldn't rule it out uh, at all in this case. 
Well, Dana Larson, he told me yesterday his store, this guy runs a store where he sells, I understand he sells magic mushrooms, he sells coca leaf. You can go to his store and buy buy psilocybin there, is my understanding. They busted his store last year, shut him down for a day. He was open up the, he was open the next day. Yeah. And, and he's yeah. still open. He's still open and running. And then I asked him, like, you know, this MLA said basically what you're doing is drug trafficking. And does he accept that? And he said, well, technically under the law, yeah, I suppose that's what I did. I'm trafficking <laughs> drugs by sending them to these politicians. And I asked him, well, have, have you been visited by the police? Did the police come and uh, give you a ticket or arrest you? No. You know, so he's like, you know, this just goes on with impunity. Your thoughts? Yeah. Well, he's, yeah, I mean, this is what happened, of course, with marijuana pot shops in, in Vancouver yeah. and Victoria and across BC, and it was this gray area. And the Vancouver police were directed not to go and arrest uh, people. But uh, mind you, that was at a much more advanced stage in the legalization process for marijuana. It was, you know, it got closer and closer, and then it happened. I don't think we're anywhere near the same stage for psilocybin mushrooms or coca leaves or whatever. But, I mean, Dana has a good point in this. It's kind of hypocritical that you can now safely uh, be in possession of cocaine or heroin or, or uh, fentanyl or methamphetamines in small quantities. That, that's the pilot program, the, the so-called safe supply and other things going on. But other substances, which, you know, in this case are both natural, they're not manufactured like fentanyl, are, are illegal and, and can't be used. So he, yeah. he, makes, he makes his point, he makes it effectively. Uh, I'm just not sure that he'll, he'll not have his day in court yet. Yeah, psilocybin magic mushrooms are not on that list of drugs that you're legally allowed to possess in British Columbia, which is interesting. Okay, let's uh, listen to Clint Malman here. Now, he is the CEO of London Drugs, and he's been speaking out, I think, very effectively on issues around violent shoplifting that has been happening at London drug stores and lots of stores all around British Columbia. He has been a guest on the show in the past. He's got this campaign going bill called Save Our Streets, SOS, that is growing in support. Here he is talking about violent shoplifting in London drugs. We routinely have our employees threatened with knives, needles, machetes, um, and other sort of bear spray. It's in northern BC, it's on Vancouver Island. We see it universally everywhere. Bill, your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is good that we're seeing more and more people in more and more communities standing up and saying enough is enough on this one. I, I just find, I, I go downtown regularly, it has seen a steady deterioration because of street crime and, and just general lawlessness and things. And um, look, I shop at London Drugs, I shop at many of the merchants who have joined this coalition, and, and I don't want to pay more, it's bad enough as it is with inflation, I don't want to pay more because people are you know, flagrantly shoplifting, stealing, just walking in and taking stuff out. We've seen that on, on lots of TV, on global uh, reports. So good, good for them. I think we need to have more, and I think we saw... Um, uh, I think it's uh, Deputy Chief Howard Chow, the Vancouver Police Department, saying that he appreciates it. The police department appreciates it. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's it's connected to topic one, drugs. You know, this is most of these crimes are by people who are uh, have substance abuse problems and are feeding their habit by stealing things from retail outlets. And we got to we got to get a holistic solution to this. It's not just one thing or the other. Do you see this as an election issue? We're in an election year this year in British Columbia. The election scheduled for October. Will this be an issue? 
Absolutely. I think it's yeah. definitely an issue. And we've seen Premier David Eby and the NDP government move to try and uh, block public consumption of drugs. Uh, and that's been stayed by the courts temporarily. At least we'll see what happens with that. Um, trying to have bail conditions um, change so that people who are offender, chronic offenders don't get out on bail automatically, have to prove they should be out. So I, I think you'll see the Premier and the uh, Attorney General Nikki Sharma doing more on that. But it's going to be a battleground issue with, with both uh, BC United and BC Conservatives fighting out yeah. over who's the more law and order party versus the NDP. And the NDP has to you know, clearly present themselves as concerned about law and order as well. Yeah, I think it's going to be a big issue, too. Okay, let's finish up with international students in Canada. And this is a, an issue that is bigger than I think many, some people realize. Over 800,000 international students in our country. I think it's part of the problem with the housing crunch that we're experiencing right now. There are no limits on the number of international students allowed into Canada. And now you've got the federal immigration minister saying, oh, we better do something about this now. We've got too many international students coming in here with no housing and maybe signing up with these fly-by-night colleges. That they're, they're here to work and really not really study as students. He's threatening to do something about it. Let's listen to him here. Federal Immigration Minister Mark Miller. Ahead of September 2024, we are prepared to take necessary measures, including significantly limiting visas, to ensure that designated learning institutions provide adequate and sufficient student supports as part of the academic experience. Enough is enough. If provinces and territories cannot do this, we will do it for them and they will not like the bluntness of the instruments that we use. Bill, your, your thoughts? Well, there's, uh, I think that there's definitely a major problem here. And on top of that, we saw just yesterday reports came out, Mike, that a Chinese student was denied entry into Canada because he might turn into a spy for Beijing. And, uh, I mean, this is the first one I can remember that. But we have, uh, here in B.C., we have at least 33,000 400 Chinese students, that's just Chinese students, uh, foreign students, international students. So when you think about this and you add, you think about the housing issues and other issues, and then you add in the possibility that some of them are spies uh, giving China you know, secrets from our universities, it, it really makes it volatile. You want to talk about election issue. Um, the other problem, though, is that our universities have become dependent on these students, not just from China, but from other countries as cash cows. And they're charging yeah. them a hell of a high tuition rate. I, I can remember when I was in university, there were foreign students, and it wasn't anything like it is now. Uh, this has become a major industry, and it's putting a squeeze on our housing, especially here in Vancouver, in Victoria, and some of the other larger cities. So it's, it's triple charged. Bill Thielman is my guest. I have open phone lines right now. If you phone now, you will get through. 604-280-9898 is the number to call. 604-280-9898. Star 9898, toll free on your cell. Gurdeep in Surrey. Hi, Gurdeep. Go ahead. Uh, morning, Mike and Bill. Uh, you know, this uh, private education industry is pumping billions of dollars into the Canadian economy. Uh, some of our public institutions are also participating. There are strip malls in Mississauga, Brampton, and Surrey, to, you know, and Winnipeg and all that, across Canada, where there's colleges, quote-unquote colleges, with maybe three rooms and no more capacity to, you know, seat no more than 20 people or 10 people. And they have issued thousands and thousands of letters of acceptance, which are being taken at face value by immigration officials in India, for example, and, you know, these kids are coming. 
there are, uh, you know, private agents who provide the funding to for these kids to show the GIC, you know, in Canada, 10 grand, I understand is being increased to $20,000 now. But, you know, and then these kids come here, they have no way of supporting themselves, they're doing cash jobs, they're being exploited by people, uh, you know, uh, everywhere. And this is, the government knows exactly what is happening. Yeah. You know, and they can clamp, clamp down on it if they wanted to, but, you know, too many people are making lots of money off these kids. Follow the money. Yeah, thank you for a great call. And I think the, one of the important points he made there, Bill, is the government does know what's going on. It's kind of an open secret here that this program is not so much an, an education program. It's it's sort of turned into a work program because people, international students, are allowed to come here and they're allowed to work. And it's a foot in the door into Canada to get a job and to live here permanently. So in many ways, it's a work program. It's an immigration program. It's not so much a a uh, an education program. And that's why we see these sort of fly-by-night so-called colleges that are setting up to bring people in. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that's true, too. And, and Gurdjieff makes a good point there. I think, you know, clearly the federal government, it used to be, Mike, uh, that you had to prove as a student that you had the means to uh, pay your tuition and pay your rent and buy food and things like that. Now, I don't know what the standards are uh, at this point, but there's no way we have 900,000 international students who've all been carefully checked and all have the money in hand in the bank account, et cetera, et cetera. So you're right. It's kind of like uh, I'm shocked that there's gambling in Rick's Cafe in the movie Casablanca, you know, yeah. of course, and then and then he gets his winnings. Uh, there's no way that you can say the federal government, A, doesn't know, and B, can't do something about it. Uh, I think the problem is, like many things in government, they've become, or universities have become dependent on the income. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think most students are at legitimate universities and colleges, but uh, still, it's a, it's a really crazy thing that's been let to get out of control. Yeah, no, the, the government has quite openly said that international students have become a, a big part of the, the workforce, an important part of the, the economy. Uh, not only the money they're bringing into the country, but the jobs that they're performing. And colleges and universities, like you said, they have become dependent on this tuition as well. So it's like a big percentage, a big chunk of the money coming in is from international students. Peter in Vancouver. Hi, Peter, go ahead. Yeah, my, my, my thing is, is that the government has basically shirked their responsibilities. Up until, I'd say, 20 years ago, they were the ones that were putting up money for post-secondary or subsidizing for post-secondary education. And now they're relying on foreign students to pay for that, so this way they don't have to uh, put in so much money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, great, great point. Great point, Bill. Your thoughts? We got 30 well, seconds here. Yeah, I mean, earlier this year, Kwantlen University said that 15 to 20 percent of their students were from China. I mean, that, yeah. <laughs> that just boggles the mind. So, you know, yeah. this is going to be a problem. It's going to have to be solved. I, I don't think we're going to see an easy solution, and someone's going to have to. Uh, pay more tuition or there'll be fewer students and, and more tuition for the uh, for the Canadian students. Bill, thanks for coming on today. 